Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Table Talk with your girl, Kimmy. Hey guys, it's Kimmy and welcome to Real Table Talk. This is a place where we're going to have some interesting discussions. It's centered around women. Real Table Talk. Real Talk. Where you feel comfortable, where you can share your views, express yourself, and we just come together as a family. So stay tuned, guys, because the Real Table Talk is exactly where it is. And today with us, we have in our studio, Minister Alex Roach. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to dive into this topic. Don and I, we have been discussing this for quite a while. And we're so blessed to have uh, Minister Alex here as we discuss breaking soul ties. But before we go any further, I'm going to just go right ahead and let Alex introduce himself to you guys so that you know a little bit about who he is and what he does. Alex, over to you. Hi, Kimmy. Hi, Dawn. I am so happy to be here and to discuss this topic. It is an honor. So just a little bit about myself. I am a, a minister, as Kimmy said, and I currently lead Intercessors 300 here in Barbados. That is an organization where we teach on prayer. We focus on prayer. I'm also a businessman, so I have five businesses and um, all started by me and they're doing very well. I also am a business consultant, so I consult and advise other entrepreneurs, those with assets, real property assets, and how to turn those assets into money-making engines. Wow, Alex, you do so many things. I know Don must be over there thinking, oh, I can't wait to ask you this first question. So I'm going to let Don dive right in on this one. Well, thank you so much, Kamisha. So we have, as Kamisha said, a really interesting topic today about breaking soul ties. So Alex, I'm going to delve right in because we really want to hear this information that you have for us. This is such a topic that many people, I think, in churches have so many misconceptions about. So my first question to you is, what is a soul tie? That's an excellent question because many people have, um, as you said, misconceptions or misconstrued what a soul tie is. A soul tie, as the name suggests, is the binding together or uh, soul ties, souls being bound together. Now, when we say that, individuals typically go in their mind to something negative, but there is more to it than that. Soul ties can either be kingdom, um, good, or demonic in nature, which is bad. And soul ties either exist to either pull you toward your purpose, your destiny, your identity, your future, the fulfillment of it, or keep you tied to your present or inevitably your past. How are soul ties actually created? Because you mean, you give us the explanation of what it is, so we have a good understanding. Is it something that is only emotional based or is it something that is a bit outside that where you're going to be uh, intimate? I was once told that soul ties were usually formed through fornication only. Is that true or is that a myth? Well, there's a lot there. So um, how are they created? Simply, soul ties are created as a result of an emotional scar. Uh, that scar could be between, and no, they're not only created or exist between intimate partners, 
but they can also be established through siblings through parental relationships, mother and son, mother and daughter, father and son, father and daughter, between business partners, between friends. Soul ties can, wherever there is an emotional connection to an individual, a soul tie can be established. They are the result of a scar, an emotional scar, which means that a promise wasn't fulfilled, someone's word wasn't kept, someone was absent in an individual's life, uh, there's an unhealthy relationship in some dynamic or in some way. And soul ties are usually the result of a scar, a void, an emptiness that exists and is yet to be filled or freed from. Oh, wow. Dawn, you rating this though? This is so interesting because I always thought or I was taught that a soul tie really and truly only came about through sexual intercourse. And that was obviously not under the covenant of marriage. So Alex, this is really, really something that we need to delve deeper in because um, even for me, you know, looking back over my life now, based on what you've said, I am beginning to think back and think at some point that maybe I might've suffered from a soul tie and I didn't even know. So here's my next question then. How do I know if I have a soul tie? Well, it is true that many individuals have soul ties in some form, some fashion, are completely oblivious to what they are because they don't have an understanding of how they're established or how they function and how they operate. So a soul tie, now, if you remember in my previous answer, I said that they are typically the result of a void, a scar, a wound, an opening that has the propensity or the ability to then, if not dealt with in the correct way, to become a soul tie. If you remember also my definition of a soul tie, it is designed to tie you, bind you to another individual and to keep you bound to your past your present and inevitably what will be your past. So life is moving forward, individuals have moved forward, um, relationships come to an end, business deals go sour, and you lack the ability to overcome. You lack the ability to find closure for that relationship to come to some resolution. And instead, you were tied to that individual, living out the commitment or holding on to a commitment pursuing something that should have been in your past, should have been dealt with and was not. The unfortunate thing is that when this occurs and an opening is created and a soul tie is in operation, then it creates uh, other problems and other issues in your life. For instance, if this were an intimate relationship and the conversation of marriage was on the table and everything seemed smooth and good on the service, they promised marriage, they promised that this is what we were working towards. And out of the blue, this individual runs off and marries another person or just runs off and leaves you uh, holding the bag, you know, not knowing without adequate explanation or anything. And that becomes a wound, an emotional wound, can become a psychological wound. If you don't deal with that soul tie, if you don't rather, if you don't deal with that and address it, a soul tie can be forged. And what would happen is that 
you would lack the ability to move forward, to find the person that God has for you. You would lack the ability to uh, pursue, go on with your life. You don't have the, the zeal to do it, the desire to do it. And if you do, depends on how it manifests, but if you do, you, you keep relating or going back to your old relationship as a reference, you keep acting out of the hurt of the past relationship or the expectations that were not fulfilled as a result. So it's evident that we can break a soul tie, um, but how do we break it? And then if it is broken, can it be reestablished with the same person? Now, once you identify that either a soul tie may be in operation in your life, that you are finding it difficult, almost impossible to move on from a broken promise, that broken promise has become a scar um, not just in your mind or in your thoughts, but a scar in your soul to the point where you are angry and offended because a soul tie doesn't just happen because someone leaves or doesn't fill a promise. If not, we all at this point would have soul ties. But when an individual has offended you and you have refused to release them, walk in forgiveness, let them go out of your heart, out of your soul, out of your mind, release them, forgive them. Sometimes they may not be deserving of forgiveness. It's not like they are innocent. They're guilty of what they are being accused of. But rather, you, you have to value your own freedom, your own deliverance, your own um, future to the degree that you're willing to let people go who never said sorry. When you have not released them, forgiven them, that spirit of unforgiveness then becomes a seed planted in the heart, which becomes offense. Offense then becomes, and I can explain this even in greater detail going forward, or oh, that offense then becomes an open door or an opportunity for a soul tie to be established. Now, when you go through deliverance, you are freed from the soul tie it can be reestablished in your life. Now, here is why. Now, when I teach on deliverance or after we've delivered individuals, we don't stop there. We go on into counseling or what uh, we like to call discipleship because we believe that deliverance gets the devil out, but discipleship keeps them out. Because if you were once ensnared by a thing, you have the ability to be recaptured or repossessed by the thing that once ensnared you. There's a scripture that says, when a strong man is driven out, he goes into dry and desolate places looking for some place to rest. And finding none, the Bible says, he says, let me return to my house. He gathers seven spirits who are stronger than himself and he goes back looking. He says, if that, the Bible says, if that house isn't swept, empty and put in order. And this is where counseling and discipleship is very important because if you return to the same habits in which first cause you to be ensnared, if you don't practice forgiveness, if you don't let people.
people actively forgive people, actively let them go, then that spirit is coming back again and it will grip you and grip your life in even a, a, a more dangerous way than it first possessed you. I have a list of questions here and I think you just answered pretty much almost all of the questions with that particular answer because you established, you defined for us well what a soul tie is, but you also gave us um, a sense of how we can break a soul tie, how we actually deal with it, because you spoke on deliverance. And this is not a program where we're really necessarily delving into stuff like that, but this is so important to know because many, many people, as you said, we go through situations in life where we gain emotional or psychological scars from breakups or what are relationships that went sour and we carry around this thing and we don't necessarily know or can identify what it is. Sometimes we are totally oblivious to what's happening. We just realize that our life might not be going quite right. And I've heard it said in many times, many churches, you know, even motivational people, you know, they tell you, yeah, just let it go. You got to let it go. But even in listening to you, we recognize it is just not as simple as, oh, letting it go. So can you give us some steps? Because I know you spoke about deliverance. Some of our audience may not know what that is. And I know there are some people that don't believe in it. So can you give us some practical steps? You spoke about deliverance. You spoke about counseling. And you, you gave us the scripture, which is one that had come to mind for me. When you get rid of a, a spirit or a demon, you have to make sure that it doesn't have a place to come back and rest. So for our audience that may not understand the biblical terms or how we understand it as children of God, can you break it down into maybe a simpler term um, for them? Sure, Dawn. I'll, I'll most definitely be happy to do that. I'll give you both explanations. The Bible says that offenses will come. That's a given. If you live long enough, if you've never been offended, if you just keep living, there are going to be plenty opportunities for individuals to offend you and for you to offend other people, even those whom you love and never intended to offend. The thing about offense is that when it's presented to you, it is not presented as offense per se, but rather as an infraction or um, probably sometimes misconception and, and different ways that other people can rub you the wrong way, all these types of things. Right in the moment when it's presented to you, you have an opportunity, a decision to make. When a loved one walks out of your life, you are presented with a decision. Am I going to hate them based on them not keeping their word, on them hurting me the way that they did, letting me down, or am I going to release this baggage, this heartache, this headache, this weight out of my life? Now, if you do, you choose not to release, to let them go and forgive them, actively forgive them for what they have done, there is a greater ill that can come. You then uh, become 
offended. You, the spirit of offense, rather, then steps into play. Now, I want to go back to, and, and this now is more the spiritual religious um, explanation, because spirits do not have access to the earth realm or to our lives. And that's the way it just was in the beginning, that any time a spirit wanted to come into the world and operate in this domain, our domain, it needed permission to do so. So the serpent in the Garden of Eden became an access point for the devil to come in. The same way that the womb of Mary became an access point for Jesus to come in. And uh, offense, the spirit of offense becomes an access point for the devil to gain access or for the devil to gain an opportunity to ensnare a believer. He doesn't have permission to come except you give him permission, except you uh, open the door, except there's a portal opening your life. And typically and usually for many individuals, offense is an open door for the enemy to come. And I told you already that that offense then gives room and creates uh, the opportunity for soul ties to be established. Now, in a more layman approach, a more layman approach that if you are wronged by an individual, if you are hurt, if you're being taken advantage of, you've been underappreciated, you've been let down, and this could be an intimate relationship, this could be friends, it could be family, it could be a parent, that for you to hold on, actively decide within yourself that you're not going to forgive an individual for doing something that was irritating to you, that was heart-wrenching and heartbreaking to you, can do you great injustice to living your life and being actually and truly free. That you can be ensnared, tied up, limited from progressing, hindered from moving forward, distracted from your goals, robbed of your joy, your peace can be stolen if you don't actively pursue to be whole, to be healed first, because I remember I said an emotional scar, to be healed and whole of individuals who do wrong against you. You're opening yourself and robbing yourself of the future that you truly deserve, the joy, the peace that you truly deserve. And after all, and this is where I draw the line, after all, do you not deserve the future? Don't you deserve to be whole, to be happy? Even if someone walks out the door and leave you, don't you deserve to be free of the emotional baggage that comes with holding hatred and unforgiveness and pain in your heart? The more that you decide rather to hold on to an individual and what they have done and how they've laughed at you or talked about you is the more that you attract a victimized uh, perspective or spirit. So you can never really be free enough to pursue your dreams because you are always their prisoner. You are always their victim. But the moment that you've decided to let them go, to let individuals go, to actively pursue freedom and, and counseling and talking to someone and talking through problems and challenges is not a negative thing.
It is not a bad thing. It is part of the healing process. It is part of you setting yourself free from the weight and the burdens that life puts on you from time to time. So pretty much then it's up to me to determine how long I want to allow that soul tie to hold me uh, bondage. It's the timeline of how long that takes is up to me. Is that what you're saying? Not at all. Let me start by saying this. We already established that an individual could have a soul tie and not be aware that they possess a soul tie because you only have in life as much freedom or authority or power as you do revelation. If you don't know that you are free, Harriet Tubman is famous for saying this. They told her and commended her for how many slaves she has freed through the underground channels in America. And she responded by saying, I could have freed a lot more had they only knew that they were slaves. There are many people who have soul ties and don't know that they're entrapped. There are many people who have soul ties and unfortunately don't want them to go. They just find comfort living in the position, in the disposition, in the state that they're in. It is their connection to a happier time, maybe to a family member, maybe to a loved one, maybe to an ex, and they don't want to be free. But as with all things, deliverance is a process. Freeing yourself is a process. And mind you, I know that we talk about deliverance in the church and we consider it a spiritual thing, but deliverance is also very much a physical thing as well. Just ask any woman who has given birth and they'll tell you that when they give birth that they were delivered. <laughs> they have delivered that baby and that's where that term comes from. It's very much a physical thing and it's also an emotional thing. It is also a psychological thing that you can go through deliverance by just sitting on a sofa and talking your problems out to a loved one or to a counselor, someone who helps you unpack the baggage and the trauma and the hurt. Or you can have a spiritual experience and go meet a minister who would take you through a spiritual journey to do the same thing, to unpack the hurt, to unpack the trauma, to release you of the frustration, the anger and the pent up feelings and the disappointment that you've been through. And there ought not to be a timeline place on working on yourself, whether it is physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, in your soulish realm. There ought not to be a timeline place on you pursuing healing and you pursuing wholeness. The only thing that I would suggest that you put an urgency on is if you are aware that there is emotional trauma, psychological trauma that has affected you to the degree where you're finding it difficult to forgive. I think you ought to pursue forgiveness to let the trauma and let the individual go so quickly that it does not give room for offense to step in. Where I think there needs to be a sense of urgency 
is that if you perceive that you are the subject of an emotional type, you pursue your own deliverance, whether it be through counseling with a trusted friend, whether it be with a spiritual deliverance, a pastor or deliverance minister, but that you do not stay where you are because the implications are adverse. The implications can be dire. And as I said earlier, it can get worse over a period of time. Don, <laughs> whenever she's quiet, she's taking notes. So I know she must be noting something. I will be honest and say this time I was not taking notes, but I was here in some serious self-reflection, introspection, and I wanted to say thank you to Alex because he touched on so many things again and there were questions I was going to ask and he hit the nail right on the hell. He answered them before I had a chance to ask. But what I wanted to do as well is to share, to be a little vulnerable here for our audience and to share a little bit of my own story, being a Christian, my walk with Christ, being saved um, for several years. And only a couple of years ago, honestly, I recognized that I still had not been totally delivered from a soul tie I had with a person in the past. And how I recognize that is that one morning I was in communion with the Holy Spirit and it brought, the Spirit brought this person to me and I thought about that person and what had happened. And then on my walk, I recognized that 16 years had passed and the Holy Spirit is so targeted and detailed that he gives you the details of everything and he said, 16 years have passed on. And this thing still is affecting you. And you haven't even realized. I thought I was totally delivered. Love Jesus, serving God, doing all of this stuff, ministry, everything. I thought I had been totally delivered. And I did not recognize that there was still a trace of this thing that had affected me. And it had really traumatized me. It really had. It had almost really ended what I thought was my life um, and how I knew life to be. So I'm glad you said what you said, because sometimes we think that these things are things that can be dealt with. You put a particular time span. But for me, it was 16 years till I realized that this thing was still a thing in my life. And even though I didn't think I carried an offense, I recognized I still could not even look at that person without having some kind of feeling. And I had avoided having conversation or anything with this individual because they had really, really betrayed my trust and hurt me very deeply. So Alex, I am thankful for you for, for bringing this out in the open because this is something that needs to be expounded on more and explained, especially in the body of Christ, where many of us may be walking around and really not knowing that we have soul ties that need to be broken. So that's my two cents worth on this thing. No questions, Alex. You did an excellent job of explaining this, especially for me. Over to you, Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my question is, is there a major difference in dealing with a soul tie that is 
an intimate soul tie than it is for something just be terms of like for example with Dawn's experience that she just shared where hers was more of a emotional you know a, a relationship friend thing kind of thing um, but is it harder for you to be able to deal or to break a soul tie that is being bonded through to intimate uh, relations no as you could imagine, there are different types of scars. There are some wounds that are surface, and then there are some wounds that cut very deep. And there are other wounds that can literally dismember you. It all has to do with the wound. It also has to deal with the environment in which you are pursuing your freedom. Um, I once heard a very traumatic story, very unfortunate story of a, a young girl who was only 16 years old when she was gang raped. And out of that unfortunate event, she also contracted HIV. She is, at the time when she told her story, she was 50 years old. She was a wonderful Christian. She loved the Lord and actively forgave these men who did this to her. However, she confessed that she still had times where her heart would race and she would get up in the middle of the night and she was still a part of a counseling session because the circumstance, the event that took place was so traumatic that it altered her life in a way that it could never be normal again. So the level or the degree of the wound that one experience also reflects on the level of counseling, deliverance, healing, forgiveness, compassion, empathy that has to go into making yourself heal and whole. And sometimes these events, no matter how well intended we are, they alter our life's course. They alter our life, our destiny in a way that it seems almost impossible for us to recalibrate and get back on the path that we were once pursuing. So based on this, because we're so different, we all are so very different. Our journey is very different. Our experiences are different. And while you can have a moment, because if you're pursuing spiritual deliverance, Deliverance can happen in an instant. And deliverance is not just um, <laughs> as theatrical or dramatic as puking. You could um, cry and be delivered. You can breathe a sigh of breath. <sighs> and that was your deliverance. Deliverance happens in many, many ways. And while deliverance may happen in an instant, it is closing the wound. It is releasing the trauma that could be very different for so many people. It's always going to be the temptation to revisit, to get angry, 
to want to burst into tears, to want to hold them animosity in your heart or hold an individual in your heart. There's always going to be that opportunity there, but it is an ongoing process for most people. Hopefully, even in an intimate relationship, you get to a stage or a place in your life or in your walk or through your deliverance where you, could, where you can see an individual who has wronged you, hurt you, and it doesn't affect you in any way. You just feel nothing. That's when you know you're completely healed of a thing. When you're in their presence and you feel nothing. When they're standing before you or you thought of them or someone mentioned their name and you feel absolutely nothing. You weren't angry, you weren't offended, you weren't disappointed, you weren't hurt, you weren't sad, you felt nothing as a result. Then you know that you're not only healed, but you're also whole. That's really good. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Wow, okay, so we're coming close to the end. Uh, we're running out of time, but I have to ask, would you say that there are symptoms um, to soul ties that is a way for us to know based on certain signs or certain things that are taking place that tells us I might possibly have a soul tie? For those persons who may be listening and they may be thinking, oh, I don't think that's me, but is there something for them to be able to identify if it's a possibility that they may have so that they can now work on that so that they can be delivered? The way to know is the same explanation that I use for persons who are going through bereavement and have lost a loved one and maybe a family member or a close friend has passed. And what time does is that times, time doesn't erase the individual out of your memory, out of your heart, or out of your life. But what time does is that time teaches you how to cope with the absence of a loved one. So if we use the same analogy of a wound, when it's fresh, it stings, it hurts. But over time, that wound develops what we call here scabs. So although it isn't completely healed, Although if you put pressure, apply pressure to it, or something abrasive runs over it, you, there's a propensity where it can be damaging again, where it hurts. But time distance you from the pain of losing a loved one. The same is also true of relationships. The relationships that you have when you're in your teens that were just, you know, trivial, young love, and over time, that young love, that trivial uh, relationship, it is almost neither here or there for you because time has passed. So you forgot some of the qualities an individual had. You forgot a lot of things about that person. In some cases, you even forgot you had a crush on an individual over time. But if, if you've been in a relationship and over time, you don't see the change, you haven't brought closure to it, you're still living with it as though it was very present. They're still in your life. You're still crying. Now over time, you should have sought closure, been through closure, had counseling if you needed it, uh, cried if you needed to cry a bit, but over time, you should not be dealing with it as though it were fresh wound. Scabs should have started farming. You should have started losing sensitivity to the sting or the wound that with the insertion that took place. 
there should be a level of normalcy that you're developing, whether it's going back to being normal or developing a new level of normalcy. You should be finding your footing and your standing again. And if you are still living with the wounds of an emotional hurt, a year later, two years later, six months later, five years later, chances are that there is an emotional wound Something deeper than emotional wound at this point is a soul tie that needs to be interrupted, that needs to be broken. You need to go through counseling, experience deliverance so that you can be free and move on with your life. Wow, that's really good. Donna, I hope you are taking notes on that part. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, Kimmy, I was here taking some notes. Actually, um, there's something that Alex said that made me smile because I remember there are some persons that I, I, I can think about now and I'm wondering what in heaven's name was I even thinking at that point? You know, you think back and you're like, at that point you were still starry-eyed and you thought you were in love and then you look back and you're like, goodness grief, I must have been out of my mind at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something else I want to add here and I want to get Alex's comment on this before we close off. And as I was here, I'm thinking, and the Spirit said to me as well, forgiving ourselves, Alex, because many times, we not only is forgiving the other person, but ourselves, because sometimes we, we carry around that whole baggage as well of, we thought we made a bad decision, or I shouldn't have loved that person or whatever. But to understand that at that point in time, you did what you thought was best, at that point in time, you loved that person. There was something about that person that you loved. And I find we try to throw people out of our hearts. Like, you know, what if something happens, well, you know, I couldn't have ever loved you. I don't understand why I loved you. Or even if we got into a business relationship and, and something happens. So I think that's also an integral part, forgiving ourselves for maybe decisions we might have made that might have caused us to be entangled or in relationship with, with persons. And recognizing that at that point in time, it might have been what we thought was a good decision. And, you know, things just didn't turn out. The person might have broken your trust or whatever. But to move on with the knowledge that, you know what, I know better now. That was a situation that happened. I'm going to heal and move on, as you said. So I think that's another critical part of moving on and even being delivered recognizing that, you know what, there's a part of our own forgiveness that we need to offer to ourselves. And that is that is absolutely correct. That's part of the healing and the wholeness. Um, it all um, depends on perspective. You, you can see it as either a failure or a lesson. You determine that I've, I've been there, I've learned the repercussions of going there and now I can use this wisdom, this experience that I've had to chart the course for the future or to look out for red flags in relationships or to safeguard my own heart and my expectations as a result. So I agree 100%. It has everything to do with your perspective and how you choose to approach it. Okay, so my final question just before we close out is, do you think that we need to be teaching on this a lot more within our churches today? And, and if so, because for example, within my church, this is usually not the discussion, but I'm not saying there's not happening out there in other churches, but do you think it's something that we should really focus on in our churches? 
100%. And let me say this, because this is part of my fundamental belief system, that there are different types of churches with different characteristics, that not every church operates the same way. The same way there are doctors who are specialists, chiropractors, um, uh, proctologists, they are neurologists, they are heart doctors and neurosurgeons and, and, and then they're general practitioners. There certainly are churches that function different ways as well. There are churches that are geared towards emotional healing. There are churches that are there to restore or build your faith in God. There are churches that are soul winning ministries. They have a huge evangelistic outreach and focus. There are other churches that are prophetic in nature. There are churches that are built around prayer. And there are different churches that are also focused towards deliverance. And it is because we all are a part of one body but have different functions, different characteristics, and different assignments within the region to which God places us. If there is, and this is going back to an individual who might perceive that they have a soul tie, find a church who deals with deliverance, that has a prayer emphasis and a prayer atmosphere. Because there is a huge possibility that when you are there, whatever is operating in your life, whatever is hiding in your life, whatever um, is unattended or unnatured in your life is going to be exposed. Uh, because not every pastor, not every preacher, not every teacher, not every apostle is armed, equipped to address every matter. We all have our focus, our assignments in the body of Christ. So if it is that you can connect with a ministry or a church that deals with soul ties, that deals with the prophetic, deals with prayer, deals with deliverance, that that is a place that you go to, as I say, get the devil out and then you pursue being discipled. That's geared towards keeping it out. There's a flip side to all of this. Because anything that exists in the kingdom of darkness originated and started in the kingdom of light, simply because Satan is not a creator, he's an imitator. So soul ties existed in the spirit realm in the kingdom of God before they were perverted in the kingdom of darkness. I make reference to the relationship between Jonathan and David. The Bible said that Jonathan loved David and that the relationship between them or the connection, the tie between them was greater than them loving even their own soul. And Jonathan took his cloak, he gave it to David, he took his sword and his spear and he gave them to David, literally abdicating and relinquishing his ear as ear to the throne and giving his position over to David. So ties that are established in the kingdom of God are there to propel you into fulfilling your purpose, and fulfilling your destiny. The, the difference simply between a demonic tie or a negative soul tie and a positive one is what they're driving you to or what they're keeping you from. One of them propels you forward to fulfilling your destiny and your purpose and the other one acts as an impediment and obstacle in your path, hindering you from moving forward and moving on with your life keeping you tied to your present 
and ultimately bound to your past. Thank you so, so, so much, Alice. Don and I definitely learned a lot today. That is for sure. And I am sure that our listeners have learned a lot too as well. And my prayer for them is that if they're in any situation that is similar to what we shared here today, that they do exactly as you would have shared and go and get that help and free themselves from that, um, that soul tie. Wow, Don, do you have any lasting words you would like to share before we close out? I don't have any, Kamisha. I think you wrapped it up very, very well. Well, you heard it right there. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. This is Real Table Talk. I am your host, Kimmy. And I'm your co-host, Dawn. And thanks for listening.